Hey guys, welcome back to Because Life. So today I'm doing an episode in conjunction with Allergy Partners, and we're going into about two months of this new normal lifestyle, and there's a lot of information out there. Today I'm sitting with Dr. Patrick Perrin of Allergy. He does allergy and asthma、um, immunology, who also volunteered in the front lines at the local hospital to work with COVID patients. Hey, Dr. Perrin. Hi. Good morning, Chilka. Thank you so much for doing this with me. So let's start with a little overview about COVID itself. Sure. Well, COVID is a coronavirus that we suspect originated in Wuhan, China, and it migrated to the U.S. because we are an international community. We first became aware, at least in northern New Jersey, that this was a problem probably in about the mid to the end of February, where there was a constellation of symptoms that included many patients with fever, cough, headaches, sore throats, some diarrheas, and rashes. And when testing became available, that would be through the nasal pharyngeal swab, we were identifying what now is referred to as SARS-CoV-2. Or commonly known as COVID nineteen, COVID stands for coronavirus, and it was first isolated in two thousand nineteen. Hence the name COVID nineteen. Teaneck, New Jersey, was one of the first cities in the country that was quarantined, and that happened on March fifteenth because the local hospital was inundated with patients with confirmed COVID. And this slowly passed through all the additional communities. As of today, there are one hundred and thirteen thousand confirmed cases of COVID, and there are about sixty four hundred cases in the state of New Jersey. That number is going to be greatly increased in the number of confirmed cases with the availability of the new. Uh, immunosurveillance testing or the blood testing to see who's been exposed over time. In regards to the amount of patients, we feel that because of the aggressive nature and the stance that we've had through the directions of Anthony Fauci of the NIH and our governor, mandating social distancings, closing all the non-essential businesses, quarantining people at home. We have certainly seen a flattening of the curve. I've been working at the local hospital, doing twelve-hour shifts, admitting patients with COVID. The reason is the hospitals were getting inundated, and they needed community physicians with experience in respiratory diseases to manage these patients. When I worked three weeks ago, we had at one of the local hospitals four hundred and eighty confirmed cases. A hundred and eighty of those patients were on ventilators. As a matter of fact, one of the biggest COVID units was a seventy-five bed unit, which was the employee cafeteria that was converted to an all COVID unit. Now these numbers have dropped, and as of yesterday, the one thousand patient was discharged, and the last number that I saw is that they're down to about two hundred and ninety. Patients with COVID in a hospital. So, in less than three weeks, we went from about four hundred eighty patients down to two hundred and ninety patients, and this is really good news in that we have flattened the curve、uh, with all the important precautions that、uh, we've been taking. So, you firsthand have seen the importance of staying at home, wearing the masks. You know, washing hands and seeing the curve drip down because you do have those people are still 
thinking, oh, this is nothing, it's all bogus, you know, wearing a mask is not going to solve anything, shutting down the parks is not going to solve anything, but you have seen a positive drop in the curve because of all the, all the precautions. Absolutely. Uh, COVID-19 is probably one of the most contagious diseases. It's not as contagious as measles, of course, but it's up there. And we have seen uh, households of people that this, this is rampant and it runs through it. So it's tremendously important uh, that we have exercised these precautions. And this is uncharted times. So if we haven't increased uh, all the restrictions that were placed, the hospitals would have been inundated. They wouldn't have had enough rooms, enough beds, enough ICUs, and unfortunately enough ventilators to manage these patients. Like I said, the local hospital had 180 patients on ventilators. This is unheard of, and it's all because, and we've been able to treat that, cut those numbers down, all because of the social distancings, aggressive hand washings, and of course, wearing the masks. So being in the front line, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's only affecting the older generation, older numbers. Um, the young people can't really get it. I don't have it, so I don't have to be worried about it. What were you seeing in the hospitals as far as age range? Like, it doesn't discriminate. Obviously, it hits everybody and anybody. Um, so what were you seeing in your experience? That's correct. Well, we do know patients with comorbid conditions such as heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, uh, are at greater risk. So certain comorbid conditions are at greater risk. And in the hospitals, of course, many of the patients in the ICU were the older patients. However, we certainly saw many young patients. There were quite a few between the ages of 25 to 65 and some children uh, that were also hospitalized. So yes, those patients were risk factors typically get sicker, but coronavirus infects everyone and it doesn't look at your age or your birth certificate before infecting you. So young people are just as a greater risk of getting coronavirus as the older patients. So we're not out of the woods yet, but we are seeing positive dips in the, in the curve, which is amazing. So another question um, I know Allergy Partners itself has been getting is, why are we staying open? Why do we feel like we're essential? Can you touch base a little bit about Corona in the allergy season and how us staying open is beneficial to our allergy and immunocompromised patients? Sure. Well, I think all healthcare providers in an area with a concentrated uh, population of COVID patients like Northern New Jersey or the tri-state areas were all important in managing these patients. Number one is if somebody is sick and they're having asthma, so for instance, we're allergists, the ER is not a good place to go because ERs are inundated. They can't handle the corona patients, no less handle some ordinary issues such as asthma. So we're available, of course, uh, every day to manage outpatient diseases, including asthma and allergies. Now, this is important because we are in the midst of the pollen season and people may get confused about, well, do I have coronavirus or do I have my seasonal allergies and how do I know the difference? Well, number one is coronavirus patients are quite sick. They have fever, they have diarrhea, they have a constellation of symptoms. So they have usually the six main symptoms, which everybody has heard about. Allergies, we don't have fever, but we certainly can cough, have post-nasal drip, sinus 
issues. So therefore, it's really important to be able to communicate with your doctor, whether it's face-to-face -face if you're having significant respiratory problems, or via technology with uh, telemedicine where you can be treated. Number two, patients who are on biologics or on immunotherapy, which is a form of biologics, must continue this because these forms of therapy is what keeps asthma stable, is what keeps people out of the ER. So it's, it's quite important for patients to maintain uh, their, their biologic therapies and of course, including uh, their ma daily maintenance medication. Number three, there's also a point that I want to make make is that there's been some reports that steroids could actually make coronavirus worse. And we do know that asthma is treated with inhaled steroids, which must be continued even if you're in a community with coronavirus or yourself has coronavirus. If your asthma is flared and you're in significant distress, we in fact will treat an asthmatic with oral steroids if needed, regardless of your coronavirus status. So my point is, this is the time to not be non-compliant with your medication, and it's imperative that all patients keep their asthma stable to be able to handle a potential coronavirus infection. So we've also gotten, I know we've gotten questions in our office about, um, oh, why can't I just take the hydrochloro and a Z-Pack and just preemptively be on this medication for this coronavirus, which we obviously have not done because there are a lot of side effects to it. Well, the hydroxychloroquine, also known as Paquinil, uh, has been used uh, for coronavirus in most inpatient uh, facilities when a patient has been hospitalized. The issue is we're really not quite sure how effective it is. And the reason that these drugs were used is because when somebody is sick with a viral pneumonia from coronavirus, we really don't have any tools in our toolbox to treat it. The issue with hydroxychloroquine is there are some ca cardiac side effects. So patients really need a screening EKG uh, before we actually start that. And that's what's, what we do in the hospitals they get a screening EKG to make sure their rhythm is normal, their, their QT interval, that's a measure that we take, is normal because patients who are put on hydroxychloroquine who may have cardiac issues will have some significant side effects, including arrhythmias. The reason we're not using it as preventative is because we're not even quite sure it works. And there's no reason to take a potentially toxic drug uh, preemptively, even if you're home with mild COVID, uh, because there's not enough information. And until we get more information that may take months or years of research, it's not routinely used, nor should it be prescribed unless there's very clear cut indications. So this past week, the IgG testing was released by at least Quest and LabCorp, which is a blood test to check antibodies. What does that test mean? What are the criteria for testing? And where do you see that kind of putting us as far as statistics globally um, with all the information we get back from it? Sure, well, uh, through Allergy Partners, we're very excited to be able to, to draw uh, your blood for what's called the IgG test. 
So IgG is a convalescing antibody. And what that means is after we've been exposed to an infectious agent, in this case is a COVID-19, after about two weeks, we make an IgG antibody. Now, just to be clear, this does not tell us if you have an acute infection or if you're sick right now with coronavirus. There's only one modality available for that, and that's the nasal pharyngeal swab to look for the genetic material of the COVID-19. An IgG test shows if you were infected. Now, there's a couple caveats to this. A positive test still doesn't give us much information in regards to how immune we are. It shows that we had an immune response. We've made the IgG antibody, but it does not tell us if we're gonna be protected against future infections, nor how long this immunity can last. It's gonna take hundreds of thousands of uh, test results through this immunosurveillance before we can really ascertain the degree of immunity it may offer. Uh, and then the other point is, coronavirus has been a virus around for many, many years, and there are different strains, and 20% of the common colds are caused by coronavirus. So when we do have a positive antibody test, we're not 100% sure if this is from the COVID-19 or if it was from a prior different strain of coronavirus that we were exposed to over time. However, if there are a report of the constellation of symptoms that suggested you had coronavirus and we have a positive antibody test, that's pretty good information that you were in fact infected with COVID-19. I know outside of all the medical terminology we just talked about, there's a lot of social anxiety about this being the new norm and how we're gonna reintegrate back into society after all this is over. The anxiety of just everything being locked down and being told to stay home, the fear of it all, you know, how we talk to our kids about it, how we're due with not seeing family members, things like that. This is the new normal at this point and how do you think we're gonna be able to, as a society, integrate back into the world after all this is over? Because I know I personally am not gonna trust you know, just going out and hugging and touching everybody again and um, seeing a room full of people is gonna literally give me anxiety just being in there because I'm just so used to this now and somewhat traumatized from everything that happened out of nowhere, like nobody was prepared for this. So how do you think we're going to be able to integrate back into society after okay. this? Well, you know, I think that's a very interesting and, and, and actually a deep question, uh, the new norm. We don't know what the new norm is. Uh, the last time we went through a pandemic like this was in 1918 with the Spanish flu, where there was an estimated 50 to 100 million deaths. Okay, that that uh, at the time was a significant percentage of the world population. The difference between 1918 and now is that we are in a global community where we all have a global enemy called COVID. So we're going to have the unlimited resources of the global community, i.e. the entire world, with an amazing array of brain power that's going to figure out how to combat this. 
So what I think it's going to take for us to go back to the old norm is the development of a vaccine. And unfortunately, vaccine developments can take anywhere from you know, six months to several years, although they're moving at rapid speed and there's a potential vaccine that's being worked at, at Oxford that may be ready for the fall. So until we have a vaccine available, I think the new norm will be to maintain some degree of social distancing, uh, to maintain proper hand hygiene, uh, possibly using masks in large venues with a lot of people. Uh, you're not going to be hugging and shaking hands of all strangers. So I think the new norm, Joker, will be determined as society grows and as more innovations arise uh, in fighting this common enemy. And what are your thoughts about, like right now, only essential businesses are open. I know I've talked to with a bunch of colleagues and friends just opening up in phases, different businesses and how that would help the economy and still keep most people safe. How, what are your thoughts on phasing in opening of new businesses and new? Sure, I, I think when we, when we make uh, available the immunosurveillance, i.e. the blood testing to more and more people, and we could see how many people have actually been exposed and we could create something called herd immunity. So herd immunity is when there's a large population of people who've been exposed, who have antibodies. At that point, the virus may not have the vector, i.e. Uh, a person to carry around and there'll be a reduction in the amount of infections. So I think the new norm in regards to small businesses will be that they're still going to maintain certain restrictions as far as the amount of patients, as the amount of people they will allow in their establishments. But I'm hoping that uh, with the appropriate directions from the NIH and uh, with this immunosurveillance, we'll be able to open up the economy and try to get life back to a somewhat normal state. It's definitely changed the way everybody looks at life now. Um, even the people that are annoyed that they have to stay home and can't you know, do things that they were used to doing. But again, it is helping the curve drop. We are seeing positive feedback from the social distancing and staying home and wearing masks. And we're gonna get through this together. So here's, here's our plug. We are Allergy Partners. Um, we are nationwide with our corporate offices in North Carolina. All of our practices are offering this test at this point, from what I know. And we're also working hard to stay open for our allergy, immunosuppressed um, patients who need to get their shots, need to get their biologics. We are working hard to help our patients also integrate back into society afterwards. Um, and we will be posting things on our websites and sending out emails as well. Please feel free to contact any of us through our website for any questions that you might have, any thoughts you might have, anything you want to share with us as well. And please, please, please stay safe, stay home, wear your masks, wash your hands. Do you have anything else to add? Nope. Thank you, Tilka. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. <laughs>